And so, yeah, probably similar to you, it's like, okay, how do we figure out how to be happy and how to really truly be in the moment? And my answer is, I went to the Mexican jungle, I did ayahuasca, and the spirit of ayahuasca told me, showed me all of my lives that I could have at any one point in time and said, there's no one way to live. There's not a, there's not a perfect way to live your life. The, like any life that you take, any path that you take, that is perfect. So whatever you do, you have to just trust that the that it will all unfold how it needs to and the decisions that you make are where you need to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wild Goose Chase. Joining me today is Alicia conlon Heard. Alicia, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Goose. How are you? Very well, thanks. I want to get straight into it because you've got a pretty interesting story. Um, I was lucky enough to catch up with you for dinner the other night and to learn a little bit more about it. And it struck me as quite interesting because your background uh, and experience is, I'm going to say, facilitating growth in uh, fast-growing organizations through post-click conversion. I want to dig into that a little bit. So you know how to make money in business, but Mm -hmm. you recently sold everything that you owned to become a freedom entrepreneur. And I want to dig into that. What is, talk to me about Operation Freedom. Talk to me about what a freedom entrepreneur is. Let's explore that. Why'd you do it? Let's start there. Okay. So what is Operation Freedom? Well, this, I run this business with my partner. And so we started Operation Freedom maybe back in 2019. And it's very much how it sounds. How can we escape the shackles of our nine to five and have freedom of time and place? Who, who do we work with? That sort of thing. That's what we wanted to get to. And so it's been a journey of slowly unlocking levels, like starting a side hustle, making the side hustle overcome the main income, saving up six months of living expenses. And then one day, you know, you put all the excuses aside and over breakfast, we shook hands and we're like, effort, let's go and quit our jobs today and, and let's get going. So that is kind of the very brief overview of Operation Freedom. Where do you want me to go from here? What else? Well, so, okay. So, Let's dig into that a little bit, a little bit more. So, talk to us about your background because you were basically working to drive growth in some larger organisations. I'm interested to know what made you want to stop doing that, and then how long did it take you to go from concept? What was the and like? What was the kind of main driver? Like, why did you decide that you wanted to to do this? So, just talk to me a little bit about the the what led up to this idea. Yeah. So, when we are designing this, our north star metric is always freedom, right? And so we're about 18 months into our business and our first year we were pretty successful for basically two freelancers sticky taped together. We did about half a million without a big team. We have a team of contractors. Um, That's revenue, not necessarily profits. We were very good at also reinvesting that back into the business in the first year. So we didn't. It's a funny way to put it. We were very good at we were very good at reinvesting it. (laughs) That's a great way of saying we didn't make a lot of profit in that first year. That's a good way. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We like we did, but it was like we we invested it back into going into um, a new website, going into masterminds, like yeah. paying access to get access to things that we probably couldn't get previously because we didn't have the the resources to get it. And so, why do we do this, and why don't we want to scale a big company? So, our business called Persuasion Experience is technically an agency, right? We call it a growth consultancy. But we're, in, we're, we're another agency, another dirty little digital marketing agency um, working with clients. And so most agencies want to scale. That's the goal, right? They, they get more clients, they get more people, they get more clients, they get more people. But for us, that's not the definition of freedom. So we have absolutely no 
no aspirations of building a big agency. Why? Because it doesn't suit our North Star metric of freedom. But in our first year, we fell into a lot of traps of what we call optimizing for the ego, right? So we were often like looking at what these other people were doing and we were sort of started to run in the wrong race. And yeah, we call it optimizing for the ego because we were doing these things that other people would look at as success markers, but it wasn't success for us. Success for us is living the life we're living now, but we started to build a bit of a success trap in our first year, to be honest, where we were making all this money, but we were working like 14 hours a day because we didn't want to scale it, but everyone's telling us like, you only have a business if um, you're not working, like you have to have all these other people working. And so it's been this delicate, I would call it like prototyping of actually what works for us and not just taking what other people say or think as verbatim as a way to dictate our lives and yeah, making sure the business actually works for us and not the other way around. So how do you define freedom? You say you measure all your decisions and all that kind of stuff based around the, the like like freedom as a as a, an objective kind of metric. How do you measure that? So basically, if I want to do something, I can do it. And so for, as an example, yesterday, um, I have a friend here on a holiday in Bali and and I could take the day off and go and hang out with her and I have that flexibility. But it's it's effectively freedom of time and place. So last year, we didn't have freedom of place or time, we just basically had a lower paying because we're paying ourselves like half the amount that we used to earn effectively, right? And then there's like the dividends if we draw money out of the company, but it's having the freedom of, of time and place. And so that's how we we measure what is freedom. And okay. And so how do you, ultimately then that would require that you end up in a place where you don't work, right? Because to, to the degree that you still have like if I if I understand correctly, you're like okay, we're going to keep the business at a size where we don't need to grow it, where we're yeah. So that kind of necessitates that you guys are still going to be on the tools, so to speak. So how do you yeah? How do you rationalize this idea of like now you've got freedom of place, right? So you're traveling around, you're doing all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Your, your background, if anyone is watching this on YouTube, is I I believe not a fake background. That is actually what is no, it's very real. That's the villa. I don't know if that's actually how you um fix a green screen, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you, you've got the capability to now travel around and start to, and you've got more flexibility over your time. Mm. You haven't got absolute, you haven't got absolute flexibility. Like you couldn't just, well, talk to me about that. Like how do you rationalize this idea or, or where does that plan go? Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because it's like, what is what is work and do you enjoy what you're doing? So I find a lot of play and purpose in the work that I do. I love working with people. And it's very truly our mission is that we believe all of these businesses sell great products and services, but they're bloody useless at sales and marketing. So um, yeah, like there's a thing like I met a guy the other day. He's like, oh, wow, you're working. Like you're here in Bali. It's like, oh, this is actually my creativity time. Like I love doing what I'm doing, but I don't want to do it for 14 hours a day. And so for us, we had to work out at the start of this year what's enough, right? What's enough money? When 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 are we winning? When are we actually achieving what we need to achieve? And we try to make sure we have a lot of clarity around those success parameters. Like what is success to us? Because it's so easy. Like even when we went out for dinner with you and you guys are telling us all this amazing stuff, Dash Dot are doing, my partner and I are like, 
oh, I'm a bit jealous. Like, we're you know, reading our emotions. Like, I'm a bit jealous of all these things that Gabby and Goose are doing. But like, but that's not, then we have to like, we check ourselves. Like, that's not our race. That's that's your race and you guys are killing it. But that's not where we are in life, right? So we have to work out what's enough. We um, Our next level of freedom in our stages of operation freedom is financial independence. So within six years, so by the time I'm 35, I want to be financially independent, not retire early, but financially independent. So I know exactly down to the dollar what I need to invest in index funds. Um, what do I need to make in the business? How many sales calls do I need to make? And if we want to stay in the slow lane, what like what we're doing now, I'll get there in six years. If I do exactly this for six years, I will get, yeah, get there. Um, but yeah, this is like my long ranty way of saying we know our freedom number. We know our why. We know our purpose of why we're doing this, which is really like important to have. And we're very clear on what we want. And now we just keep prototyping our life to make sure that it's, yeah, it is. What is, what is your why? What, what is the purpose? Like, so you're going to get to 35, you don't have to work. Like, what's, what's the purpose? What's the point of all this? Well, I guess for me, money is a tool to unlock things, right? So I grew up pretty poor, single mum, four kids, country town, you know, no traffic lights, under 800 people, sets the scene. And it's interesting because you grew up with a lot of invisible scripts around money and uh, money being evil, money being bad, wanting money being bad. And so one of those yeah, transformations has been no money's not the end goal, but it's what money can do for you. So when I do reach financial independence, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, Goose, but I'll, I'll have more freedom to choose, right? Like right now, I don't, I don't have complete freedom because I do need to stay like this is my vehicle or I need to find another vehicle to getting to that goal. Once I get there, I don't know. Like that's, but that's the fun thing, right? If you know the destination, if you can see clearly your path ahead of you, you're in the wrong path. Like you're, you're running somebody else's path. And that's the thing that I've had to get very comfortable with is that you have to be comfortable to not know where life is going to take you and to trust that everything is going to unfold how it needs to. So yeah, I don't know, but that's the exciting thing and the thing that I've had to learn to get really comfortable with. Mm. Okay, I want to dig into that, but I'm going to come back to it because I want before we get straight too far away. For I want to talk about optimizing for ego. So, can you talk to me a little yeah. bit about that? Because comparison is the thief of joy. So, when you say optimizing yeah. for ego, what do you mean? But then also, I'm really interested to know what strategies or tactics you've developed to help you not do that because it's a really fucking hard thing to do like it's a very hard thing to do we like yeah and I, just a per- personal reference i'm actually i've been recently deeply deeply analyzing that too i was like setting all of these goals and these things and i was like yeah we're going to do this and the success that we uh, are experiencing at dash is, is, is freaking awesome and i wouldn't change that for the world but then the the things that i was personally setting myself up for for like these are the things that i want i started questioning i was like why do i even want any of that stuff like that no, exactly. None of that's even vaguely important to me. Like, what is? Where did this come from? And it's like really fascinating once you start getting into it. And so, I'd love to yeah get your take on optimizing for ego, and then how do you optimize away from ego? Hmm. Yeah, I very similar to you because we were chatting about this, but it was really confronting one day, and it was like, what do I want? So I think someone literally asked me, what do you want? And this is a little while ago when we're doing the business. And I was like, what makes you happy? And I could not answer it. <laughs> that's, re- that's a really confronting thing to have happen of what makes you happy and what do you want? And 
and like you kind of know all these things you kind of read it in the books like figure out your why and you know what makes you happy and all of these things but to go to the optimizing for the ego it's so easy to think what will make us happy is what we perceive as making other people happy it's like oh i see old mate building a big business getting the kudos and um yeah he looks successful i or i maybe i want that and so when we talk about optimizing for the ego we've only <laughs> really just started getting better at it where we have to be okay maybe not having a multi-million dollar agency but the tool to make sure that you don't stray down that is to have absolute clarity on your end goal or, or like what you're working towards right and so really truly understanding what is your why or what is your clear picture of success so when we my partner and I do a lot of lifestyle design and we go away quarterly yearly to, to literally plan our lives we do this for the business but we also do this for our life as well and so when we were getting ready for this part of operation freedom to move away I literally was writing down in in exact detail pages and pages of what my dream day would look like and so now whenever there's like opportunities or like things I have to scan these opportunities and these things presented with me with does this match my values and does this match my why and where I want to go and it's annoying because I love doing everything <laughs> but you can do anything but not everything right I get huge FOMO and I'm a huge people pleaser so I, I, I usually say yes to everything but what I've had to get better at is learning to say no and really being quite precious with my time and making sure that I'm not just doing things to please others or because I think it will be perceived as successful to somebody else. You just really have to not give a F about what other people think and and really know within yourself what makes you happy. So I'd love to understand how you go about doing that because that could be really useful for people to understand. Most people have no idea what they want. And so just asking yourself those questions that you mentioned earlier, yeah. like, I, I, the two questions that I think are the most, one of some of the best questions you can ask yourself is, am I happy? Right. That's a very interesting question because most people don't ask. Mm. And this can be quite confronting for mm. most people. And then asking yourself, what do I, what do I want? Right. And just watch, watch, yeah. just watch it all unfold. Now that's sort of step one. But then step two on that is I, I'd like to know how you kind of, like in a practical sense, how do you go about uh, doing the kind of planning, like the kind of quarterly reviews and stuff like that? Like, yeah. do you write a list yeah. of goals? Is it like a vision statement? Just kind of a practical mm -hmm. analysis of how that works so then people mm -hmm. can think about how to implement that. Mm. But to get a bit mm. more granular, I also want to know, like, have you clearly defined your current, current success metrics? Because they may change over time. So, for example, I only... I, I will only work X amount of hours a week. And like, have you got to the level of that granularity? And then is that specifically a part of the process with how you assess opportunities where you go, okay, well, let's make mm -hmm. this up because I don't know what you're about to say, but let's say I, I'm only going to work 30 hours a week. I don't know what it is for you, but let's just use, it, use mm -hmm. that number. Mm -hmm. And then something comes up and you're already working 20 hours a week and that would require you to work an additional 15 hours a week, for example. Would that mm -hmm. be a, like a hard no? or like So firstly, practical steps on how you do it and then how you use that as a reference tool to make sure that you stay on track with the vision you have for your life. Awesome. So what I'll say is, or to kick it off is, it's okay to not know what you want. And I'm still figuring it out all the time, right? What do I want to be when I grow up? I don't know. What do I want to do next week? What do I want for lunch? 
there's all of these questions and decisions I need to make every single day. But it's not okay to, to not be trying to figure it out. That's what I think. So there's a lot of us that don't know what we want, but it's not okay to try and figure out. Like you've got one life, right? And it's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. Once curtain close is done, you don't get to come back. And so you want to figure it out. Now, I'm not very good at that. I'm, I'm not a person with all the answers. I'm not some guru in, by any means of the world. So what was the easiest way for me to think about it? Well, we use, if you know, like Charlie Munger, he talks about a lot about inverse thinking. So the inverse is, what do I not want? Because I'm very clear on that. I'm very clear on what I do not want in my life. And that's where I would encourage people to start is instead of thinking, okay, what do I want? Write down all the things you don't want. And basically you want the opposite of that. What starts to happen for me now with me and my partner, we're like, oh my God, we're literally walking in in our dream. This, this at one point was a was something that we wrote down that we were aiming for and now we're here. We've arrived at the dream. And then there's this thing of like, oh, we did it. What's next? And so one of the things that we're grappling with is like how ambitious do we need to be? We're, we're literally like we could stay on this on autopilot forever, but humans need goals. We need ambitions. We need to build the next thing, right? But also I'm really mindful of how do we be present and in the moment and how do we actually enjoy the fruits of our labor? We sacrifice so much to get here. Um, so... Yeah, that's um, how I think about it. And then I can get into the practical, but any yeah, comments before, or thoughts? Yeah, I do have comments. That that. monologue. Because, yeah, I <laughs> ma- massively, right? So I love everything that you said, um, particularly around not getting it right. I always tell people when you start doing this, your reasonable expectation is you're going to get it 100% wrong, right? Or pretty, or maybe not 100% wrong, but it's probably going to be wrong. Yeah. Because you don't know what you're doing. And it's taken, it's, yeah. it's a process. Yeah. But yeah, you started talking. Yeah. So I am also someone who's pretty passionate about lifestyle design. I am also someone who is con- like continuously consciously creating uh, the life. But then I'm in it and I'm always thinking about what's next mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily present. And it's only every now and then I'll be like, oh, wait, this is the thing that I dreamed of that I'm actually doing. Yeah. Why the fuck am I trying to work out what's next? Why aren't I happy in this moment? How do you? How do you kind of... I know, it's, I know you may not have the answer, but it's like, how How can, what advice would you give me so that I could be more grateful in yeah. the current moment without striving constantly for the next thing? Or do you think that's okay? So, not like, do I have the answer? Not necessarily, but let me tell you how I've gotten here. And this is a very recent thing that I've unlocked, being able to be really happy. So, so not long ago, when I was a bit younger, I genuinely didn't know how to be happy or to have joy. I, I had like a bit of a rough childhood, which means like you're always like on edge. And so I like just genuinely just didn't know how to be happy, which is like a really scary and weird journey to be on. And so uh, a lot of it is like trying to force myself because a lot of people that come from trauma, we deal with the trauma through addiction. So I got addicted to work, very addicted to work, you know, could have been heroin, it could have been work, but it was work and that's probably a good thing. And so yeah, probably similar to you. It's like, okay, how do we figure out how to be happy and how to really truly be in the moment? And my answer is I went to the Mexican jungle. I did ayahuasca and the spirit of ayahuasca told me, showed me all of my lives that I could have at any one point in time and said, there's no one way to live. There's not a, there's not a perfect way to live your life. The, like any life that you take, any path that you take, that is perfect. So whatever you do, you have to just trust that the that it will all unfold how it needs to and the decisions that you make are where you need to be. And so now instead of trying to constantly plan and know exactly what I need to be doing, 
I, I want to instead arm my brain and my decision-making processes where I can react in real time. I'm not drifting aimlessly. I know kind of where I want to get to, but I also want to be open to opportunities and not overplan my life because how boring is a movie or a video game where you know the outcome? You would never do that, right? So why would we want that for our lives? Why would we want to know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week? Why do we want to plan down to the exact detail? And that's from a recovering perfectionist. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Fascinating. I didn't realize you went and did ayahuasca. Um, and that that also, that sounds like it was a key piece to giving you the capability to unlock some of this yeah. thinking, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, if anyone, yeah. anyone knows, if anyone knows my background is listening to this, I, you know, I've been sober for whatever, four or five years and, and all that kind of stuff. But prior to that, you know, have definitely explored a lot of the, um, the psychedelic areas. What, I, one of the things you said earlier, and you said it again, so I'm going to use this opportunity to, to pick up on it, is trust that it will unfold. Which is a really interesting, yeah. uh, which is a really interesting phrase and thinking, because what it points to is uh, is a belief in a kind of like a like it is kind of creating as you, there's like there's a there's a sense of momentum mm-hmm. to it, which I think is probably related to you, your experience with ayahuasca in that kind of like unfolding mm. version of reality in a in a meaningful way. Yeah, how much do you think that experience shaped like? your current version of reality and how much you reference that now? Oh my gosh. I don't want to sound like one of those chicks that moved to Bali and had these spiritual awakenings, but here I go in the Uber jungle being one of those chicks. But um, YOLO. Uh, So not even two years ago, I thought all of this spiritual shit was woo-woo nonsense. And I was very plugged into the hustle and very plugged in to my masculine energy. So I am an overachiever. I'm very good at anything that I do and I always hit my goals and can achieve anything. But through therapy and and ongoing self-discovery, um, yes, those are some of the things that I've had to unpack. So how has it impacted my life? Well, literally on this trip, I was like, all right, spirit, let's F me up. Like I'm ready for a hardcore experience. Like I, I want a trip. Let's do this. Show me what I need to see. And the spirit's like, you know, well, actually, we're just going to teach you how to have happiness and joy because you don't know how to do that. And so on this trip, it was like letting me be a baby. I was like, they were babysitting me and taking me on a trip around the realm and just letting me be me. And so I would have these like intrusive human thoughts. And then we would laugh and think, how funny is that, that you literally are in a different dimension and you're worried about like you're worried about what other people think or you're worried about pleasing people. And so literally the day after I did it, I didn't even realize I had this tightness in my chest that I was obviously carrying for the 29 years prior to the experience or 28 years when I did it. And I woke up the next day, maybe I was still high on DMT, who knows. But I was like, oh my God, this, I've never felt it's gone, this like tightness I had in my chest. And so I started doing therapy last year because one, I thought it was going to be a way to unblock some scripts. I was, I was starting to pick up like, okay, the thinking that got me to where I am now is not going to get me to where I need to go. And I was like, well, who can help me with that? Because it's always about the who, right? You can't do everything yourself. It's about who, who can help me get there. So I was like, I'm going to find a good therapist, like, like a mind coach. And then um, you start to realize how traumatized you are. And then they're <laughs> like, oh, that's why. But I don't know, I'm ranting now, but you just start to realize all of these invisible scripts 
that are running your life on autopilot and you don't even realize. Your brain is making you take actions and you don't even question why. So when you start to stop and think, okay, why am I doing this? Like, why did I just think that? Why did I have that thought about this person? And you unpack it. It's really interesting to start to see how much of your life is on autopilot. And so now since doing that experience, I am learning a lot more of this, what I call the spiritual shit in a bit of tongue in cheek, but it's very interesting to learn about. And the, the thing that I think people get wrong that teach this is a lot of cowboys, like every industry, but they talk in woo-woo language because it's all, it's all legit, right? Um, manifestation, hate the idea of it, but it's, it's not manifestation. It's like setting an intention. But a lot of people think manifestation is, oh, I'm just going to make a mood board and then the world will give me a Lamborghini. That's not how it works, right? Mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah over to you. It's really, time. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because I'm super deep on all this kind of stuff, but I'm also like hyper-logical, right? So, the kind of the yeah, woo-woo exactly. hippie type vibe and like I used to live most of my life at Bushdorfs and stuff like that. I, I, I've, I've been, like that was my my crew, but I was never like that whole- You've seen some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like the, the, the yeah. actuality of the the- circumstance and this is what's interesting about some of the things you said is that it's not about kind of like just dreaming and you can have it what is actually happening is you have a capability yeah. to so everything that ever could exist in all times already exists in a super state yeah. or in a super state omniverse type thing and so when you mentioned that during your ayahuasca experience it showed you all of the, the different pathways you could all of the different lives that Time you could have in one second they all mm. exist. All of them are true. All of them are like 100% like they're there. So you yeah. just like got to choose the, the the one. And so then so then the idea of manifestation, I think the word has been um, tarnished by, you know, kind of overuse and in, in many ways. But okay. it's it's more like it's more like it resonating on the same frequency of the things that you want. Right, and if you do it, because yeah. the quantum the quantum field, which is a proven thing now, that it's in ninety nine point nine nine percent of everything, is actually just frequency. And so, if you can then work out what is the thing that I want, the way to then get it, i.e., law of attraction, which is more like a law of frequency resonance than attraction, is like how do I mm. how do I mm. resonate at the same frequency of the things that I want in my life? Now, some of the things like visual, vision boards and affirmations, these are tools to help you resonate at the right frequency i heard this um really cool story uh the other day about someone who went to like visit a like a tibetan monk or he uh, was like in some monastery up mm-hmm. in the mountains or whatever and and he was asking them he said he, he said something along the lines of like i've seen i've seen your prayers and i've seen all of these things and all this kind of stuff and um can you tell me like what's happening in in your mind or whatever and, and the monk was like you've never seen our prayers and he's like no no I, I've, I've seen them i've like sat in the room and i've I've read the words and I've seen you do the things. He's like, I've seen that. And the guy was like, no, no, no. What you don't understand is that the prayer is the emotion, the feeling, the energy, the frequency that we have inside of ourselves. It's not the words or the actions. The words and the actions and all of the other stuff you see, they're just things that we do to try and create the feeling, which is on the inside. Mm -hmm. And it is the feeling that actually is the actual prayer. And what is it? What is a prayer, right? And so just you, you know, superimpose the different term on that. And so it's really interesting to realize that it's all on the inside as well. And that and that functionally, you can create whatever you want, the deeper that you can understand how to tap into all of that kind of space. So that was my turn to have just a rambling monologue. How would you rate my reply? <laughs> this, 
Yeah, seven out of ten. Um, no, this is this is what um, Gabby did say in the email introduction. Two, it was like two digital nomads talk at each other or something for an hour, and I was like, "Yep, I'll be me and Goose. Let's get into it." But it's very true, right? And it's and anybody who's listening, you can't even um, somebody who isn't ready to to like start exploring more spirituality, you can't even like convince them. And that's I think the breakdown mm-hmm. with. Even people who are really good healers or meditation experts, we're not talking the same language. And so it's taken me a long time to really realize, yeah, there, there's more to me than my physical self, than my mind, it, like these emotions and like actually understanding you don't even want to make decisions with your brain. It's your your brain's a processor, not a decision maker. You are supposed to listen to your body. And I can hear the words coming out. I know it sounds like woo-woo weed shit. And like two years ago, I would be like this chick. Whatever, lady, enjoy your uh, magic mushies up in the Ubuds. But it's true, like, and you have to really connect with yourself and your body. And so many people mm. just don't know how to do that, including myself about 12, 12 months ago. And you just can't truly unlock happiness or know what you want if you don't know how to sit with yourself and um, really unpack these things. And a lot of those are tools to help you to figure out what you want. It, it's not a, necessarily a logical thing, right? You have to feel in yourself. What do I actually want and where do I want to go? Yeah, 100%. 100% agree with you. So you mentioned digital nomad earlier. But you don't identify as a digital nomad. How do you identify? How do you self-identify? What's your, uh, what's your, how do you self you? What am I, um, what, what, what am I, what am I, what am I traveler pronouns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, pronouns? What's your lifestyle design well, pronoun? We're, we're coming, <laughs> we're coming up with a good, um, well, at the moment, we're sitting with freedom entrepreneur. Mm. And why don't I identify as like a digital nomad? To me, that's more of like freelancer on a budget, traveling the world, you know, backpacking. Mm. And that's not my vibe. That's not my season of life. That's not what I'm doing. And so when you read these digital nomad blogs, they're like, yep, I am in Cambodia and I've got my living expenses down to $1,000 a month. And I'm like, that's not my life design. That's I'm not skimping on cocktails or not ordering an entree. Like that's not the life that I've designed for myself. And so I think with that, that that's kind of like, and that's fine. That's digital nomad. There's that's a, there's a season for that and that's some people's life. But what I don't think there's as many people talking about or creating content about is like this freedom entrepreneur where you can build a business, a lifestyle business that suits you and is built around your life, not a business where you fall into a success trap and you go into that optimizing for the ego and you build a business where you just build yourself another job. So what is a freedom entre- entrepreneur to us? to us? We're building a lean, profitable business. It's not really a solopreneur because there's two of us, so maybe like a duopreneur, but we don't have a huge team. And, and you could, like you guys do it, so you're just like another version of the freedom entrepreneur. But yeah, going back to your point earlier, how do we make sure that we're not optimizing for the ego and we are sticking to this freedom entrepreneur? It's really important for me is that I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. And I think of it as, in science, all variables need to be the same for a conclusive outcome, right? To really compare two things, apples with apples, all the variables need to be the same. But nobody up until this point has had the same experiences or the same inputs. And so when we're doing this freedom entrepreneur, we don't look at the digital nomads. We can't look at the people building the big multi-million dollar businesses. We just have to think, what does it mean to us? A lean, profitable business where we can live the lifestyle we want. Is that just a limiting belief though, that you can't build these big businesses? I'm, I want to dig into that because, so 
my uh, my traveling business person pronoun is a nomad entrepreneur. Um, I like I like the idea, uh, which is yeah. <laughs> that. So I'm I'm a big believer, like uh, of just living the life I want. Well, otherwise, what's the point, right? Now I've definitely gone through seasons yeah. where it's been, you know, uh, you, this is a, it's a journey, right? It's so and so, but specifically, I'm like, well, why can't I live anywhere in the world and do all the things that I want? Now define how much I work, whatever, all of that kind of stuff is, is totally mm-hmm. fine to do. But one of the things that I think is interesting about this concept is that I think that there is a belief that you can't grow a big business and do it. You know, so you got digital nomad on one end where it's like freelance work, um, low budget, kind yeah. of like, you know, optimizing for the least amount of work possible, low budget, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then there's this kind of belief that like, well, there must be some limit, right? And which is what I want to pressure test you on. There must be some limit. limit. Like we can't, we couldn't grow a business that would be X size because that would mean that we wouldn't be able to do this other thing. And it's like, well, I, I would challenge you to ask why. Like, why couldn't you have a $10 million uh, revenue business or a $100 million revenue business that still yeah. gave you everything that you wanted? Let me yes. ask you that. Great question. And we have checked ourselves on this because we heard this, like, um, Kevin O'Leary quote where it's like, the more pain you take on, the more money you, you get in your business. And we're like, oh, we don't want more pain. We don't want more pain, so we'll just stay here. And so we had this quote in our brains and we had to say, actually, we're not trying to build like a billion dollar business. Let's calm down. We can accept some more pain to build. However, at the moment, so I totally agree with you. You can build a business, have heaps of staff, and it can run on its own. I've got heaps of friends, acquaintances doing that. The block, we haven't figured out the vehicle to get us there. In what we currently do, the vehicle we're in, we don't want to scale it. That is not the vehicle to scale um, because that it just won't help us to hit our goals. So what we do want to do is start creating more assets for leverage. Mm. And if anyone understands like funnels and stuff, like start working in like revenue share models with clients. So not taking on agency clients, but having like five revenue share models where we are still staying lean. We probably will still have a bit more of a team, um, but we're building more of these assets to, to scale. So love the challenge. Totally agree with you. Luckily, I've come pre-prepared with a question because we challenged ourselves the other day. Mm. And we just don't want to scale this vehicle, which means we have to look at, okay, well, what vehicle do we want to scale? Because at the moment, we're in the slow lane, like the medium lane of getting to financial independence. Why? What, what would it look like if we could do it in one year? These like the, Or what would it look like if it took six months? What would we need to do? So these are the questions that we're asking at the moment so we can figure out, okay, well, we've, we've got worst case scenario, which is pretty good. You know, if I got stuck in this for six years, I'd be all right. Mm. But what would it look like if it was one or two years? And so that's what we're figuring out and unpacking at the moment. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, I recently had Trevor Blake on the podcast and he's sold a couple of businesses for $600 million. His total business value he's created is like $1.3 He works four or five hours a day and has never had any Crazy. employees, right? And so that is really fascinating because yeah, yeah. then there's proof because like half the time, the reason we have limiting limiting beliefs is because we're looking for tr- looking for proof and we don't have... Yeah, we haven't, we just yeah. like, oh, I'm not sure, but I can't do that. And so you need to find evidence and proof that it can be done. It's kind of like the four minute mm-hmm. mile. And it's like, well, Jesus, if, if Trevor could do that. Now, to be fair, the vehicle, the vehicle is important, right? And so his specific vehicle mm-hmm. um, was suitable uh, for that in the business uh, verticals that he chose and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'd like to talk about limiting beliefs, right? Because you've had to overcome quite a few of those and- 
if you kind of go back to at any point during your journey that's that's delivered you to where you are now, you would have had to continuously deconstruct stuff. You talked about having scripts in your mind. You talked about mm. all these kind of things. These are all these stories that we've got to overcome in order to be able to create whatever life we want. Because the life that you've got in Ubud right now mm. might not be the life that somebody else wants. Like I tell people that I travel every few weeks and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? There's no way I would want to do that. I'm like, why would you want to stay at home all the time? That's weird. Yeah. So whatever that life is, but mm. regardless, in order to unlock whatever the best version of your life is, you're probably going to need to overcome some limiting beliefs. So I'd like to know, like, how do you go about deconstructing and neutralizing limiting beliefs when they come up, when they're not serving you? Yeah. So the only way to do it is to be able to catch them in the moment, right? And then write them down and either like unpack it then or assign some time in your week to unpack them. That's the only way you're going to do that. And so again, I'm I'm probably not as much of a, as far advanced as your other um, people that you have uh, have had on because I've listened to a lot of episodes. I'm like real time figuring my shit out, right? Like I, which is good. I'm which like you're hyper valuable. This is real time. No, but this is hyper valuable yeah. because because yeah, yeah. because there's people at all stages. This is why I want to talk to you about it because I want to get your take on on it mm. from where you stand. Yeah. So real time, um, I will I will have this thought and I'll go, okay, let's write that down. How did how did I learn about this? I listened to a podcast about a concept called shadow work. Again, I know it sounds weary, but effectively the idea is that we have all of these limiting beliefs that are running us and not serving us, right? We have all these reactions. I think of it like this way. You have a toilet and if you never flush it, it doesn't matter how much you wipe it down or clean it, you got to flush the shit. And that's what, and that's all this shadow work is, is unpacking this trauma and getting rid of it. So it's not staying in the bottle or in the toilet. So if anyone else is still at the start of learning about this, there you go. That's how I think about it. And it's true, right? Um, you can do all the manifestation and all the pretty um, stuff that makes you feel good. But if you don't unpack and unblock and deal with the shit holding you back, you're just putting sparkles on your turd. That's all you're doing. You're not flushing it away. Okay, enough proof analogies. So, yeah, that's what that's what we focus on. Okay. Now, I want to go back because you didn't actually answer a question that I asked earlier, so I'm going to re-ask it. Yeah, what was your question? Uh, it was actually about lifestyle design oh and how you do it. I'm going, going back a little bit now because we, ah, si- yeah. we got sidetracked on the old ayahuasca journey there. Um, but We, like, we want a we side quest. We, yeah. yeah, we did. We want a side quest. Exactly. I want to talk to you about lifestyle design, like specific- That's main programming. Yeah, because it's, it's an interesting concept because, yeah. yeah. you know, we kind of- cool. So, you go, you go, you've got something to say. You just go right on in. Yeah. Just like, you just stop talking. Let me go. I'm the guest, man. Let me talk. No, I'm just kidding. It's kind of, all right, monologue time. So, lifestyle design. Well, number one, the the thing is, so many people are scared of getting it wrong or overthink it. So, we learned about this concept of prototyping. So, you prototype, you test things out before you decide that you get it right. And that, I didn't make this up. It comes from a book called Designing Your Life. Very, very good book. And it will literally walk you through step by step. I only discovered that recently. But what I was doing up until that was one, the inverse thinking. And two, because I really am systems driven and I like quantifiable. So I would be um, writing out all the categories of my life, business, relationships, love life, uh, spirituality, health, wealth, blah, blah, blah. Then I would rank myself out of 10. And the ones that I scored shit in, I would figure out how to do a good job of it, right? But all we're doing here is 
whether it's for business or life, you could use the same systems, which I have found really interesting to take what I've learned in the business world and use it for myself. As an example, I treat myself like the CEO of my life and then I have different departments. I've got the health department, the wealth department, the spirituality department, and sometimes those departments are underperforming and I need to come down hard on them or they're going over budget, whatever it is, but I treat myself like the CEO of my life. I even have recently, I don't know if this is dumb, but I created like my own brand style guide. Like, who am I? So like, I don't want to have to think about these things. What do I wear? How do I look? Why, what is my brand style guide? What are my departments meant to be doing? And so when we do that, I can start to see where the gaps are because it's hard to know what to do if you aren't giving yourself any guidance on where to go. So I decide, um, I, I measure them out of 10. Then I decide on what is the goal because clarity on the goal, you can't do anything until you actually understand where you want to go. Otherwise, you're just sort of aimlessly wondering. Keeping there. in mind can that that goal there? can change or shift. Yeah, that was, yeah. The thing I was, that was the thing I was going to ask about. You have already said that you don't know what you want to be when you grow up. So then do you just optimize towards yeah. a nearer term goal? It's like, it's like okay, well, I don't really yeah. know what yeah. I actually want in life, but gee whiz, I, I know what I want in the next, yeah, three years or one year. You, talk to me about that because I want to try and bring this into some tangible practical stuff. So how do you rationalize that? Yeah, so uh, there's always like you have an idea, right? Like I always knew that I wanted to quit my nine to five and have a like have a lifestyle business and then it was just chunking it down into phases like anything you want to do you just chunk it down and literally what we would do in business is we choose a business goal and then we chunk it down into months and weeks and then we put it just into winning behavior so we're doing it on autopilot so the stuff that we do daily or weekly is always moving towards this goal so it is it probably sounds like a bit contradictory to say oh like I let life come at me I'm really easy going but of course like I know somewhat where I want to go but it's around more like these core things like health and wealth, like the stuff that's easily quantifiable. And then the other stuff in the, in between become the tactics or the vehicles. So those are the things that are malleable and can change, right? I, I know what I need to hit longer term. And then there's the ways that I'll get there are always changing as I, as I learn and unpack. Because in business, what do we do? We always want to ship fast, we analyze, and then we adjust. And that's the growth flywheel in business. And so we use that in our life as well. We prototype it. We test out something like, for example, lame example, but uh, we hired a loft department. And now I know I fucking hate lofts because to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, I had to go down a little a little windy staircase, which was really traumatic. Bad example, but it gives you an idea, right? You've got to test these things out. You ship it, you analyze the results, and then you adjust. And you can do that both in business and life. So do you think that the capability for people to prototype, which is effectively tested out, which I really love, by the way, because one of the best ways to achieve the things that you want is actually to start testing it out. So for example, if you think that you want a beach house or whatever, then best way to do it is go rent a beach house for the weekend Mm -hmm. because then you actually start to step into the visualization. Rent the lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that actually builds up your, you know, emotional resonance and frequency to then get to the thing you want. Same thing goes. Um, test driving fancy cars or staying in fancy hotels, like all of this kind of stuff is just versions of prototyping. But in the way that you're kind of contextualizing it, do you think that it's necessary or do you think that it is um, specifically advantageous or, or a requirement that people limit the amount of fixed obligations that they have in their life? Because one of the big uh, roadblocks a lot of people have is like, well, I would do that, but I've got 
I don't know, I play darts at the local team or my kids go to a certain school or I, you know, they put, they have these like, but I would, but, but, but I'm tethered in some way. Do you think it's necessarily a requirement that people become untethered in order to be able to start prototyping or how do you think about that? Well, yeah, this is the thing, right? I appreciate, I have no mortgage, I have no kids and I don't have any big responsibilities. And so a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, that's why you could go and do it. But I have plenty of other what we call anchors. We call them anchors. So things that anchor you to a place. And we were talking about this when we when we um, decided to sell all of our stuff. And we, we literally sold all of our stuff or gave it away or put it into hard rubbish because we didn't want a storage box or an anchor that we felt ob- ob- obligated to go back to. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. Yes, you have to get rid of some anchors. Obviously, you can't chuck your kids out if you have those. But there's ways to figure out how to do it. There's plenty of people traveling with their kids uh, and I see it. They're on Instagram saying that they've got an awesome life. So whenever- If they say it on Instagram, then absolutely is true. I, yeah, I double checked the Wikipedia page. It all checks out, guys. Don't worry. They're having an awesome life. But whenever I want to achieve any goal, like, you know, last year I uh, lost 10 kilos because I got real fat in COVID because I taught my partner how to bake um, or I want to- travel, whatever it is, when I've now done like a retro and gone, why? Like, because people are so shocked. They're like, wow, I can't believe you're doing this. You're moving to Bali. And it was so normal for me. I was like, I can't believe you're not. <laughs> like, it's just, it was just so normal. And then I thought, well, why is that the case? And whenever we chose a goal, we accidentally or subconsciously normalized it. So we would follow accounts. We would try and meet new people. We would listen to podcasts where that was the most natural normal way to to live your life to the point where it became like we were like oh we're idiots because we haven't moved to Bali yet that's the normal thing to do we need to like go and do that so mm. yeah your question around do you need to cut ties with things everybody owns so much shit that they don't need right or everybody does things that don't serve them and I know that like it feels hard to get rid of it and almost impossible and it's not for everyone though right like this lifestyle I'm living is not for everyone so um, in another universe, I'm settled down in the suburbs somewhere with three kids and a mortgage, and that would probably be what I want. But for me right now in this life, that's not what I want. And so that's the thing. I think um, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, like I would love to travel. But it's like, would you? Is that really the life that you want? Because I don't actually think everybody wants this life. But I also think a lot of people choose the kids and the mortgage and the marriage as a default. That's our default setting that we're given when we're born, right, in like Western culture, default setting. And I just don't think a lot of people challenge that default setting to make sure that's really what they want. Love it. That's probably a great place to to wrap it up. I think that you've challenged it uh, effectively. I've really enjoyed this chat. I've uh, enjoyed uh, all of our interactions and I love seeing you guys go on this journey as well. So thanks so much. And if people want to find you, follow you, and it's just like observe and ogle you from a distance so they can start to normalize their own life again, <laughs> referencing yours, um, where would they go? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, well, I'll keep posting my location. So if you want to look through some windows of my villa and observe an ogle, you'll be able to find me. But um, that's just a hilarious joke to end on. But um, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or YouTube or LinkedIn, especially if you want to learn more around how to convert traffic, landing pages, funnels, and growing a business. And they're all under my name, Alicia Conlin-Hurd. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. See you soon. Cool. See ya.